This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of Talking Devils. A um, little, little bit later this week uh, because of uh, because of a spooky Halloween we had on um, on Sunday. So, um, but I'm glad that uh, now I've got uh, I've got two guests this week. And I'm going to start off first with um, with my uh, sidekick uh, Scott Wooten. Scott, uh, I believe this week um, you're playing for Markham and not Wickham, like I said last week. <laughs> yeah. uh, so apologies for that. Um, Former Manchester United centre half Scott Scott Wooten's on with us again today. Scott, how you doing? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks. How are you, Dave? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I spent uh, sent the kids to school this morning and spent most of my morning uh, stealing their candy. So yeah, it's been a productive morning. You know, very. It was, good. It was a good. Uh, it was a good trick or treat uh, session then. Oh, yeah, they go crazy over here. You yeah, know, yeah. You know, when they give so a lot of them give out the large Snicker bars. You know, which. I put them away for safekeeping for the rest of the for the rest of the week. So, um, and yourself, I mean, what was it like in the UK? Was it you know? I'm sure the sun was shining and everything was great in the end of October. Certainly, uh, certainly not what you just said. Um, weather was absolutely horrific. I actually went to the Lake District for the night uh, up in the northwest, <laughs> and it just Very rained, nice. and it was uh, it was a lovely spot, but the weather was uh, weather was terrible. Certainly not what you're experiencing uh, over the pond for sure. No, we, you know, I was walking around last night in shorts, so 10 o'clock at night, so it was, it was nice. It was a little bit chilly now, it dropped to about 21, so, you know. Yeah, no, thanks for that. <laughs> um, and, you know, we have a special guest this week. Um, how do I describe this man? Uh, Just don't, <laughs> probably for the best. He'll hammer me for this, but, you know, a legend in the, uh, uh, in, in the literature world, uh, especially on Manchester United. Um, he's bought out many, many, many amazing, amazing books on Manchester United. Uh, he has an upcoming one on uh, Sammy McElroy, uh, King Eric, uh, George Best, uh, my all-time favourite, Fergie's Fledglings. Um, uh, introducing uh, Mr. Mr. Wayne Barton. Wayne, how are you doing on this uh, Halloween, uh, what, what will we call it, post-Halloween day? Yeah, we call it first November over here, Dave. Um, yeah, I'm all right. I mean, in America, we we gotta we gotta big it up. Everything's bigged up over here. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm all right. I've got a bit of a the old flu. If anyone listened live to the podcast earlier with Paul Parker, they will have heard me struggle through that. <laughs> but I, I'm all right. It's good to be on with you guys talking. I mean, I, on the other end, so I don't have to host it as well. So that's that's pretty good. Okay, a lot of pressure. So a lot of pressure. Let's <laughs> jump right into it. Uh, Manchester United three, Tottenham Hotspur nil. I mean, where do we start with this one, uh, Scott? You know, Ollie was under a lot of pressure. He was getting fired right after the Liverpool game. He was getting fired the next day and the next day. And then as the week went on, we realised they weren't gonna they weren't gonna sack him. Um, obviously, we all have to get behind the club, regardless. He, I'll be honest with you, I was surprised with his formation. But then again, you know, talking to other United fans, you know, supporters, and with Wayne as well. You know, he had to do something. He couldn't send that same team out uh, because then he might as well just have not come back from London. Um, he went to three at the back. Scott, I want to start with you, as I said, as a um, as a as a as a current centre back and a former Manchester United centre back uh, who who has played in like four four two and stuff like that. First of all, you know, was Ollie brave to make all those changes? And secondly, you know, how how 
how difficult is it or is it a lot easier to play in a three versus a two at the back? And, you know, I, I'd just like to get some kind of insight from you on, you know, we played 4-4-2 four, four, against Liverpool. Then we went to three at the back, you know, mm. with two wing backs. Um, first of all, how did you how did you see the game of Manchester United against Tottenham? What were your thoughts on it? And then do you think he's going to take that that type of, uh, you know, that type of uh, uh, squad forward in the way that we are in, in that formation? Yeah, I think initial thoughts, obviously, a huge win. Um, you know, you said it yourself, he, he was getting sacked every day last week. Um, so it was a great reaction and response um, from the team and from from Ollie himself. Um, I thought every player done done the job, put a shift in. Um, and with the change of shape, I think it was reasonably be bold. He could have easily played a similar sort of shape. I think it was natural that he was going to drop off and not try and press because obviously what, what happened at Liverpool... I just think a lot of Ollie's success has come from, especially when he first took the job on the on the caretaker basis. He played on the counter attack, and some of yeah. his results were absolutely outstanding. Thinking of the, you know PSG away, even that game, we didn't really. I remember watching it. They didn't press PSG all over the park. They got compact. They sat in the shape. The centre backs were really sat on the edge of the box, and the, the strikers were in their own half. But what that does, Dave, is when you play that way it leaves so much space in behind the opposition. And when you've got the pace of, of Shaw and Wan-Bissaka on, on, the, on the flanks and the quality of Cavani and Ronaldo from with Bruno, you know, roaming around, there's so much, it's so much easier. I can remember the manager saying in his first meeting um, how we were going to play when he, when he come on the job. And he said, what he said to the strikers, he said, it's all about scoring goals and winning games. He said, if I ask any of the strikers in the room, would you prefer to play in really tight spaces with 11 men behind the ball who are sat, the defence sat on the edge of the box, or would you prefer to play against two or three defenders with 60 yards of space in behind them? And that's how United played. It, for top, so you flip it round and think of Tottenham trying to score, break down Man United. They had 11 men behind the ball, no gaps in between. The gap from the Ronaldo and Cavani to the back three, you were on the pretty much five, ten yards in front of the edge of United's box. There was no space. Harry Kane was poor. Son didn't do anything. It's very, very difficult to play against that. And then on the flip side, when you win the ball, you've got so much space. You've got the whole opposition half to, to run in behind, to, to make runs. And it just leaves the other team. You sort of attract them onto you. To, and, and you've got so much space to exploit. So I think it was really, like I say, a bold decision to, to change shape. Um and, and to play the way he played because it's not automatic. You know, you think of Man United over the years, you think 4-4-2, 4-4-1-1 with a number 10, a, a Rooney or a Cantona, just off a, a striker running behind. Yep. Pace, power, attacking, crosses after crosses. And, you know, he, he, he went against that, but there's nothing wrong with that at all. You can't be that stubborn to think, well, I think maybe he was a bit stubborn against Liverpool, thought, oh, we're Man United, we can go and get after them. It's our biggest rivals, but... You know, maybe there's a bit of a realization after the game that Liverpool are maybe a level or two ahead at this moment in time. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it was he deserves huge credit for how he set the team up. Uh, on the switch of formation, I actually played right of a, th a back three for like eighteen months while I was at Plymouth, and it is it is very different because there's loads of different ways you can play the three-five-two with the wing backs because a lot of different, especially defensively for defenders. If you play a 4-4-2, 4-2-3-1, you're always in a back four. So usually, generally, the full-back will have a wide player, a winger to mark. And then if even if you've got two strikers, you'll be man-for-man man as a centre-back. Or if you've got one striker, one will go tight, one covers. Whereas when you play with a three at the back, it can cause sometimes a bit of confusion because you yeah. haven't the man. So if you're playing against one striker sometimes coach or the manager always say he can never get 10 you've always got to have tight there's three of you against one but sometimes which is true by the way but sometimes there's all sometimes there's a bit of indecision because you're thinking is he his man is he my man whereas when you're playing in, as a centre-back and a two it's pretty straightforward nine times out of ten who's picking up if, if you're playing against two strikers you usually have a man each to mark uh, so that can be the difficulty the other thing was with the wing backs I mean, like I say, there's loads of different ways to play. Obviously, United sat sat deep against Tottenham. But I've played in teams where, like I say, at Plymouth for 18 months, we played it where wing-backs played against full-backs of the opposition. They didn't really get back in too deep to defend as as, as full-backs. They stayed as wingers, really. And we had the three centre-backs who would shuffle all across and 
the wide centre-backs would take the wide players of the opposition. And if the team played with one striker, the middle centre-back would take the striker. But I've played in 3-5-2s where you play as a five, which United were, where the wing-backs take the wingers. Yeah, There's loads of different ways to, to, to play that shape. And it is different, like I say, when you play in a back four, whether you play 4-3-3, four, 4-2-3-1, three, three, a back four is a back four. The rest of the the stuff in front takes care of itself, but there is a huge, there is definitely a difference uh, when you go to a three at the back, and it needs work. And listen to Ollie's comments after the game. I think they started their work on the Tuesday, uh, so they yep. were obviously really well drilled. And I, I think you could see that. I think it was clear that they all knew the job to a T. They made it really difficult for Tottenham. Like I said at the start, they had no space, they had no gaps to play. They made it really difficult, and they broke off that. And um, you know, it was a great result. I want to jump back to a couple of things there before I, before I go on to Wayne. Um, Dan has uh, has basically uh, helped me with my question. He says that you know Ollie was Ollie was really you know do we think is he was very brave for playing that you know his tactics were right, and you you kind of half answered my question anyway because I was thinking that we've been playing four four two four four two four four two and then all of a sudden you go to three at the back. And, and like you just said earlier on, sometimes it can get confusing because especially if you've got someone like, you know, Harry Kane, where he's like, he's dropping off at times. And if you don't really have a, you know, a man mark, if you're not really giving a job to mark somebody. Mm. When I initially seen the three at the back, I thought it was a big gamble because I'm like, we, we haven't really worked on this. Varane is just back in the team. And that's what leads me on to that is that, you know, did it all work so well because he was back in the team? Because I, I said the way, and I think after the game was that, the one thing that I wasn't looking at throughout the game was, you know, Lindelof. And we weren't talking about him after the game. Is that because, you know, Verani has such, you know, he, the guy is such a common influence back there, you know, and he's, he's always, you know, he's always there at the right moment. Was, if, if we didn't have Verani fit, do you think that Ali would have went with three at the back and, and brought in like Eric Boy. Do you think? But do you think the fact that he, that Verani was fit is it, you know, I won't say forced his hand, but made his decision to actually go that way. Um, I mean, only Ollie could really answer that. I, I, I'm going to say I think he was definitely going three at the back because of how bad Liverpool was. Um, now listen, Eric Boy isn't isn't as good as Rafael Varane, but he, he's got pace and. And Varane played really well, but I don't. I think his thinking would have been. It was almost like the mentality shifted from Liverpool. Right, we're going to go and get after Liverpool. We're going to high press them, to. And if this isn't a negative, but we aren't losing this game. We are going to be yeah. so hard to play against. We're going to be really horrible, and when we're going to be, it's going to be tough for Tottenham first and foremost. That was where he set the stall out, and then obviously off the back of that, you you break. You create, Man United are always going to create chances. Yeah, he's got the, the players they've got. Sure, in it, how good attacking he is, um, Bruno. Cavani, Ronaldo, you're not going to play that. Them players are always going to going to create chances. They only need that, as we see in that one bit of what well, one moment and that that flash of quality that, that was always going to happen. So it was, it was as if obviously the whole world knew. All he knew he was under huge pressure to yeah. deliver a, a performance and a result, and it just felt as if that was the shift of right. We're going to drop really deep. We're going to give Tottenham no space. Uh, we can concede the full back areas and we're going to be, we're going to hit them on the break. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I say, you, you, I think you do associate classic Man United teams of real width, wide players, your gigs, Beckham's, Kinchelskis's, Ronaldo, Nani's. But don't forget, there's been times you think of some of the Arsenal games away in the Champions League, some of the counter attacking yeah. goals. Yeah. You know, it's, sometimes you've got to, um, you've got to play that way. Moving up, uh, moving up the field a little bit. Um, you know, obviously getting Ronaldo back was for me absolutely fantastic signing. You know, I, I really believe that. I truly believe he brings so much to the team on and off the pitch. But over the past couple of weeks, I felt he's been very isolated up there. Um, I was hoping for a, a a partner up there, and for me, there's no one better, in my opinion, than Cavani at this moment in time. Just, I mean, the guy just chases everything. Wayne um, Cavani came into the team, Ronaldo looked a different player in my honest opinion than what he's been doing over the past couple of weeks. Um and, and it worked both on the score sheet, Ronaldo, you know, that pass for Cavani's goal, the fin everything about that Cavani goal just oozed class. Um right decision to bring Cavani in. Obviously, I mean obviously I'm gonna say yeah because we won three 0 about scored. But do we keep that formation? Do we keep someone up there with Ronaldo? And if we do, where does that leave Jaden Sancho? 
No, it's uh, the the um, million dollar question at the moment, isn't it? With the the gamble that Oli took was in in dropping the three. Well, in in not having the three wide players, you Sancho, Greenwood, and Rashford, because that's not sustainable long term, right? We all know that the, those guys are going to come in. They've got to play football. That was the only issue that I've got with the formation change, because like Scott said earlier, at the very start of Oli's reign. His tactical workings with that team that he inherited were brilliant. There were results and performances at Spurs, Arsenal, Chelsea. He was getting big wins <clears throat> in those games and good performances and, and really strong defensive performances as well. So for him to move back to that shape or to try a different shape, uh, it didn't surprise me that he could do it because I've seen him do it before. It surprised me that he did it with um, the pressure on, because I thought at that moment in time, he'd just yeah. stick with um, the players that he's shown faith in, because he's, he's tended to go that way. But you, you're talking about Cavani and, and Ronaldo, and it was clear what he did. He, he went for experience, didn't he? He looked around that squad, he said, I'm going to pick my experienced players. And what you got from Cavani and Ronaldo in that game, yeah, they scored the goals, <clears throat> but... It was the timing of, of what they did. Not not so much the pace. No, you're not going to get the pace. But you saw the timing for both of the goals. Um, and I mentioned this on the podcast earlier with Paul. Cavani and Ronaldo are both in offside positions when that move starts. And they come back and then they drop. I'm not being horrible to Rashford, Greenwood or Sancho. That's the experience coming in. That's their years of experience at the top flight. That's what they should be watching, saying... This is what we need to do. Um, in the short term, he's kind of got to go with that because he's, he's put his yeah. eggs in that basket. He's kind yeah. of said, all right, well, this is the formation going forward. You've got to see something like that in Atlanta. You've got to see something like that against City, probably against Chelsea and Arsenal when we play them. Um, but those other players have got to come into the side, like your Rashfords, like your Sancho. Paul said earlier that he... Um, he was surprised that Sancho didn't come on when Rashford came on because the game was comfortable at that point. So, for me, I would say Cavani and Ronaldo have obviously earned um, their place as a partnership at the moment. However, you know, it's um, I, I just don't think it's long-term sustainable. At the moment, it's the best option. And if you were going to say, what 11 do you want to play a game of football tomorrow? You choose those guys. I just don't know going forward because of the riches that United have, have got. It's on Ollie to find a solution to play those players. Scott McTominay probably had his, you know, one of his best games for Manchester United, I believe, in, uh, in that formation. I thought he was everywhere. I thought he was, I mean, Ollie came out after the game and gave him his verdict as man of the match. Uh, Scott, uh, we got a question from. <laughs> Bad time with Vaughn. Can you ask what he thought of McTominay? I thought it was the best midfield performance I've seen from a United player in years. Um, I thought it was a very good performance. I really did for for, for McTominay. I, I even think Fred chipped in with a with a decent performance. Yeah. What was your uh, what was your views on McTominay uh, and and fitting into? You know, he certainly fitted into that system better than ones from previous week. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought uh, I thought the pair of them played really really well. And again, I just think it shows. So them two were playing as a, a sitting two in, in central midfield, and because of the shape and the setup of the team, <laughs> you're inviting Tottenham onto you, and you've got your teammates so close in and around you. When they're pressing and ratting and winning the ball back, they haven't got it. You know, they're only going five, ten yards, so they can go really quick, really sharp, make tackles, interceptions, and it looks great. And then the the net. The other thing on that is when they do win the ball back, the teammates are so close. So them two players, as we've spoken about before, they're better at doing the sort of dirty work and then passing it to Bruno, for example, or Ronaldo Cavani, sure. And that's exactly that's exactly what happened. Whereas you look at them against Liverpool and the, the United are trying to high press with, you know, Ronaldo. We all know Ronaldo. You can't really press with him yeah. up front. The gaps are, are bigger. Uh, you know, Varane wasn't playing again, so you've got Maguire and uh, Lindelof who don't really want to be exposed, and rightly so because of the pace of Liverpool's front three, front uh, especially Mane and um, Hotter, Salah, whoever played, plays. 
so then Fred and McTominay are, are, are two in central midfield instead of whereas on Saturday against Tottenham they had Shaw, Bruno and the back three all within sort of seven, eight yards of each other. On, on against Liverpool, they were 20, 25, 30 yards. So the gap, you just never get there. You look slower, you look leggy because you're never going to get there and affect the ball. Like I yeah. said, we went against Tottenham and the, 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 the front of the team to the back of the team is so close and they're in between that. The distances that they have to, to close down or press in are so much smaller. It means they can actually get there and affect it. And that's, I believe that's why you know the, the two of them played so well, especially with Tomine, because I, I thought he used the ball probably slightly better. Um, and like again, the, the passes when they do win the ball, everyone's so close together, it's an easier, easier pass to keep the ball. Dan had also asked earlier on <clears throat> about um Harry Kane. Um, you know, obviously, his uh, transfer was dragged out in the media all the way through the summer. <clears throat> he had a decent um Euros, you know. Um, back on the score sheet, don't think he scored in the Premier League this season. Um, Looked a shadow of his former self uh, the weekend. You know, a lot of that's obviously down to the fact that, you know, way United played, but Harry Kane can still always come up with a goal, come up with something. Um, it's been said that, you know, the transfer to Manchester City that collapsed has completely affected Harry Kane. But wouldn't the manager see that in the training ground? I mean, from a professional standpoint, does it really affect you that bad when you consider how good Harry Kane is to now it's just like, you know, the unthinkable is is could happen and that they drop him because he's really just not doing anything. Um, I have some, you know, lifelong sports fans who, who believe that that's what needs to be done. You know, Harry Kane needs to be taken out of the team because the whole team has been affected by it. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on Harry Kane's form at the moment? And do you think as it, it, you know, the transfer is really the thing that's behind all this? Yeah, 100%. Because um, I think, let's let's get one thing straight. Harry Kane is world-class. Mm-hmm. Not just for a year or two years. What is it? There must be five or six years now. Yep. He's constantly 20-plus goals. So he's a world-class, probably even longer, actually. He's a world, top-draw, world-class striker. Now, he's probably thinking... Probably from when Pochett, when they didn't do anything with Pochettino, he's probably thinking he's 29 now. Yeah. You know, he needs to go to Man City. If he wants to win anything, he, he basically thinks he's not going to win anything with Tottenham, with that squad of players. You think of the, the good Tottenham team, he had Deli Ali, who was on fire. He's nowhere yeah. to be seen anymore. They had Alderweire, Alder Vertonghen, who were a rock, really good centre back partnerships. They're not there anymore. Hugo Lloris was. You know, four or five years younger. He's not getting any. He's getting older now. Um, Danny Rose was in really good form. They had Kyle Walker, who's gone to City and won stuff. So he's he's probably thinking, I'm this world class player. I'm England's main man, England captain. If I wanna, if I wanna go and win stuff and challenge for the Premier League, challenge for Champions League, you know, the big titles, he needs to go to Man City. And we're led to believe again through the media that he had a gentleman's agreement or some kind of agreement with Daniel Levy that hasn't come to, uh, to fruition. Sorry, so, before we move on from that, Scott, I mean, do, do they really exist in, in, in professional football? The fact that, yeah. you know, Levy will sit there and go, you know what, I'll let you go next year. And with, with that amount of money involved, is you know, is that not something contractual you should have written in? Or is it just one of those things where it's like you can't really write that in because, you know, from a contract standpoint, you have to stick to it? Yeah, I, I think um, it would have to obviously have something black and white in, in, from a contractual point of view, whether... If Tottenham don't qualify for the top four, for example, you can okay. leave for, yeah. for this price. Or if Tottenham don't win a trophy, you can leave for, again for this fixed price. Great point. Great uh, point. Yeah. like a release clause. Um, he, look, he, he might. I think he signed his contract a good few years back. I think he signed a five or six year deal. Though, yeah, it was five years. Yeah, two or three years ago. Um, so at that time, maybe he was thinking Mourinho might have just gone in, or Pochettino was there. He might not have. Him and his agent probably didn't didn't think of that. So he, maybe it was the summer before he, he might have, what I think might have happened is he's gone to Daniel Levy and said, listen, if, if we don't want a trophy this year under, under Jose Mourinho, yep. let's shake hands that I can leave for a certain amount or, you know, what. and he's probably said, yeah, okay. I think the famous one is, is with Ronaldo and Alex, said Alex Ferguson, isn't it? He wanted to go to Real Madrid. Yeah. And said, give me another year. Uh, th- listen, then, then things happen all the time, uh, especially not at the top, top level, but let's say in League One at my level, for example, players will say, um, if a team from the Championship comes in for me, I want to go. That might be in contract. You might get, like you're saying, if a, a certain club 
from a certain league, bid a certain amount, then it automatically triggers. But I think a lot of the time clubs are reluctant to put them things in. So yeah. it become a sort of gentleman's agreement. But then obviously you haven't got the written black and white, so it's always a but that yeah. completely sours it then, doesn't it? Because if you got exactly. a gentleman's agreement, you know, but if, if, if there's no set price, the, the problem that Levy has now is that they're not going to get that money that they thought they want to get from last year. Now, they may get near it, but they're not going to get it. You know, they're yeah. not going to get the 120, 150 million, especially if he finishes the season in the form that he's in right now. And, you know, Man City are not going to come in and offer another 120 million. It happened with Manchester United with Jaden Sancho. You know, they got him for 20, 30 million less the following year, albeit he's sitting on the bench. Um, but this is this is the game that that you know this is the risk that you take. But in your opinion, you think the whole thing, you know, the whole transfer thing, the gentleman's agreement, it's affected him so badly that because, like you said, he, yeah. he is world class, and you yeah. don't you don't just lose that in a season. Yeah. So this is playing the back of his mind, and and I can understand it in a way of if they've given him that agreement now. I don't want to really use the word he's sour about it, you know, because you know he's a highly played professional. You know, and he should be putting it in every week. It's just not <laughs> for him right now as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> um, but no matter how... <clears throat> Sorry, just coughing. Uh, no matter how professional or how much money you get paid, you, he's still a human being and he yeah. still naturally will want to compete for the bigger tro biggest trophies. Yep. He'll want to win the... He'll wanna, I'm sure he'll, deep down he'll probably want to break Alan Shearer's record. He'll want to win the Premier League. He'll want to fight for the Champions League. So no matter how professionally he turns up every day, he, it's only natural. He's only a human being that he, he you're gonna see it in his body language. You, well, you can. It's pretty obvious. Um, you know, the one that sticks out on my mind from the match against United is where he, he broke through down the right channel. And he just looked so hesitant, and there wasn't really a pass on for him. And he yeah. ended up in the whole stadium booth, and you think that it just didn't look like Harry Kane. Harry Kane, you know, two seasons ago. Drives towards goal, and at minimum, he has a shot yep. that makes a save. And it, just little things like that, you can just see and tell that, you know, he's not, it just doesn't look the same. And again, he'll be thinking, you know, imagine if Man City go and sign Erlen Haaland in the summer, and he'd yeah. be staying at Tottenham. Tottenham have just sacked uh, Nuno, Espirito Santo. It's not worked out there. They're going to bring in another manager. He'd be thinking, you know, why, why I wanted to go to Man City. It's the only way he's, he sees he's going to compete. You know, Man United would be in link with him. They signed Ronaldo, so that'll probably be gone. What if Man City can end up getting Haaland in a similar way of United got Sancho, where it's a cut down price? Daniel Levy's still asking for 150 million, for example. You know, you, you're going to sign Haaland because he's young. Yeah. So his, you know, his head will be um, his head will be all over the place for sure. And it, like I say, he's only a human being. It's bound to uh, it's bound to affect his performances as we're all seeing. Um, before we move on, I mean, you know, for me, you know, football, especially the ones at the highest level, they, they you know, they, they get a lot of criticism for going to clubs for just for the money and just for this and just for that. It, it is it is refreshing to see that. Um, I think we all know that even though Harry Kane would have moved to Manchester City and he would have probably been on a bigger, you know, salary, he's actually moving there because he wants to finish career with trophies in the cabinet. He just doesn't want to finish his career with a massive bank account. I mean, you know, we, we could go back through many players that, that went to certain clubs for the wrong reasons. We, we all know that, you know, in hindsight, they know it as well. Um, but it is refreshing to see a player of, of Harry Kane's calibers thinking that I'm not just going to stay here and pick up an easy check where the fans will love me. I actually want to, you know, I could retire now and, and live three times over without having to worry about money. But he actually wants to win trophies. And, and I think that's a good thing to see um, for a player of Harry Kane's ability. And, and I would take him tomorrow at Manchester United. I really would. I'd, I'd take Harry Kane tomorrow in a heartbeat. I don't think that's going to happen because I think, yeah, with the Ronaldo thing, you know, I just don't know. I don't know where Manchester United are going to go next year. I think they will go in for Holland as well because he's the younger option. But Harry Kane definitely a shadow of his of his former self. But again, you know, form is temporary, as they say. You know, class is permanent, and Harry Kane is a world class a world class striker. Um, I want to just move on to uh, I want to move on to something that I invited Wayne on here today. Um, over the past uh, over the past you know three or four weeks, um, with the whole you know all in all out, you know. Uh, debate going on and on social media um, Wayne's a very popular person on social media because of his because of his works on Manchester United um, and you know his his uh, success in in the production world with the George Best and uh, um, uh, the 74 uh, uh, documentary as well um, 
Wayne, um, the one thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, I've known you a long time. You're a very vanilla type of person. You, you sit on the fence. You don't tend to want to antagonize one side or the other. You're a prime example of why people go on to Twitter because they want to, you know, they want to, and I'm going to, he's going to hammer me for this after. He's writing it all down. I'm saying all these nice things about him, Scott. Um, <laughs> Um, you're just one of those nice guys on Twitter that you would think the last person that people would come for is someone like you with your personality. Um, and like I said, you, you don't you don't go left, you don't go right. You're just down the middle, giving a very you know detailed explanation of, of why certain things are happening at Manchester United. But yet, you know, the media, you know, or the social media stooges came for you in the past two or three weeks. You know, they they give you death threats. They they called you every every name and you know everything under there. They threw everything at you. You were very professional about it. Um, and I know you know from my personal experience talking to you, you you definitely got a lot of support. Uh, but you also got a lot of private support from a lot of people. You know, high up the ranks in many different clubs and stuff like that. So you do know that that social media is just a cesspool at the moment. Um, I just want to talk briefly to you about it because Scott, you know, you're a professional footballer, but you're probably one of the few that that hasn't decided to go into that world um, of social media. Um, and I just want to get your thoughts on that after I talk to Wayne about it. Wayne, you know, how are you feeling now? I mean, with with someone with your, you know, with your with your background or respect that you have online, I mean, it's obviously been a, a tough couple of weeks just because you have an opinion that people don't agree with. No, oh, yeah, um, no, it's tough. It's tough sometimes because um, you put your opinion out there and basically it's, it's there to be received how someone wants to receive it. Um, and it, when you're writing it in a, a tweet, obviously you're condensing what you think. And I don't, as you know, <laughs> I don't tend to make a point within two sentences. I like to use like 4,000 words where maybe other people would like to use 10. That's just the way that I am. <clears throat> so I think the the thing what's happened really in terms of my social media is that when Ronaldo signed, you post a few things about Ronaldo, and I didn't know this at the time, but um, there's a trend in football where individuals have fans, right? And that's been alien to me. I didn't understand that, but they, they do. A lot of people support Mourinho, for example, and have, have stayed attached to the fact that Mourinho should still be United manager. And I didn't realise how, how vocal that community was. So, for example, you can praise Ronaldo, but the same people will hate you if you say something controversial about Mourinho. So you, you're antagonising the same people that you were pleasing a week ago. And it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a minefield, to be honest. And the, the thing what I've always felt with um, the United... Anyway, just my thing as a fan is you just support the manager, right? You just support whoever's in charge. You support the club. You pay the money. You buy the ticket. You go and watch the game. You get behind the lads. No matter the result, you know it, it was tough going for the Liverpool game. It was really tough. And there was some. There was an old guy who will have seen bad results before, and he was like probably in his seventies, and he left after um, two nil. So it was two nil. It was like midway through the first half, and he got up and he went. And, and I'm saying he's seen games before, like. And I, you know what? I felt I felt for him. I thought, I, I can't do that. I've got to sit through and watch this horror show. I, I did it with a 6-1 against City. We're going to sit and watch this for what it is, unfortunately. And um, we did. And it was bad. It was terrible. I didn't judge for the people for walking out. <clears throat> you know as well as I do, Devo. And Scott will know as well. The atmosphere with United and the travelling fans is unbelievable. They will always support the team and they will always support the manager. I'm not saying that to say that match-going fans are better than other fans. People support the club in their own way. But it is still meant to be support. So yeah. when it happened, when what happened against Liverpool happened, I was good. I mean, I was I was heartbroken by what I did because that's the worst result I've ever seen in my lifetime. I was describing it as the worst result and performance in the history of the club. I, like you guys were saying, you thought he was going to get psyched every day last week. I thought that. I thought you can't lose 5-0 to Liverpool and that you keep your position in that position. And Fergie could have survived it. Busby could have survived it. But they had credit in the bank. Oli doesn't have that. So I thought it was untenable. What really got me 
is I was good about that. And when I logged into social media, everyone was buzzing. They were, you know, they were buzzing that he was going to get sacked, and they were saying, and they were being personal about Ollie. Yeah, actually being quite critical of him, like personally, like that fraud, um, that weakling. He, he's um, he's not brave. Do they know Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer as a player? A lot of them did. I know that they did because they've been around. How can you call Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer a weak person? What he went through in his career, it's unbelievable. How could yeah. you? So the thing what I was saying was you can be critical and you can say that you want the manager to be sites and everything like that. But it's beyond the pale to be excited about it. And the other thing, what you would have seen as well, Debo, in that moment, people, all the people who said that they hate Ollie and were personal about him were coming up with the lies and the rumours saying that they'd heard he was going to get sacked. And it created this massive ball of negativity. And obviously the club and the players see that. Obviously they do. Not, not sure how much of it they see, but they see enough. So everyone will have been seeing that kind of vitriol. And I didn't think that was representative of, of us as a, as a fan base. And that it broke my heart a little bit to see that because I'm a United fan and that's not what... It's alien to me. I know it's a new a new part of the support or the people yeah. who are to be supported. Unfortunately, yeah. But, but I don't see it as part of what I associate with being a United fan. And that's what I was saying I was disgusted about. It's nothing to do with being Ollie in or Ollie out. And by the way, if people with long enough memories or long enough attention spans want to go back and check, I've, I've written a book where I've talked about this in detail, about not being certain that Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer was the right man for the job, yeah. about being worried that the Glazers had hired a convenient person that would deflect the criticism from what they were doing. Um, and, I, you know, I, I was worried about that experience and everything. Uh, the lack of experience. So when that happened against um, Liverpool, that, everyone, I was thinking, no, I think the job might be too big for him. It doesn't matter how supportive I am of him, of the manager, of the team. I thought, oh, that looks like it's too big for him. But there are ways and means. There are ways and means of going about that. You don't sort of start personally abusing. If Scott had a bad game, we don't, I'm not going to, Call it like Scott. We've talked before about that on this podcast. No, you guys have against the the game against um, Chelsea, where you felt like you know you had a poor game. We weren't call. I certainly wasn't calling you out for that. I was still supporting you. You know, wanting you to come back in and play well and have a stormer the next time around. And and people say, oh, you're backing because he's a legend. I don't give him more time because he's a legend. I give him probably less time because he has less experience. But Will it mean more if we win something with him in charge? Obviously, well, how can it not? That's not to say that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt when things aren't going right. It just means that in a moment where there's not a massive obvious successor, and I, I still don't think Conte was a massive obvious one, where it's obvious that the club don't have a massive succession plan in place. They're not planning for it. Don't just sack him for the sake of sacking him. You know, that's putting us right back to square one. Yeah. I'm not saying that's blind support. I still thought it was untenable after what happened against Liverpool. Um, but don't get abusive about it. And all I was saying in that moment was, and it's so bleeding ironic, Dave, I was saying, you might have a right to criticise and support the way that you want, and that might be your version of supporting, but don't be personally abusive about it. You don't need to do that. That's beyond the line. You don't need to do that. And yet, everyone thought it was the other thing. So they were all personally abusing me, thinking that I was criticising. Well, some of these people were saying you were, you were on United's payroll. You know, you one, one person actually thought you managed and played for the team. Um, yeah. This is how much attention they pay to the actual tweet, because we all know when you put something in text format, there's no emotion to it. Mm. And people can completely misread it. But to to get so personal and to, to just to to be happy that we got beaten five 0 by Liverpool, yeah. it's, it's it blows my absolute mind. It does that, regardless of who we were playing, but Liverpool in particular, to think that okay, we got hammered by Liverpool. This is a great day for us now. The manager's going to get sacked. Um, it's it just it, the social media world is. I mean, Scott, 
when 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 you went in the team of Manchester United, which was you know uh, what was it 20, 2011, 2012, uh, I mean social media really it, it was there, but it wasn't there. Um, you you've obviously decided not to go on social media. Has anything that Wayne has said now convinced you to go on to social media? <laughs> Can I just jump in before Scott answers that? Before those tweets were aimed at me. I was messaging Scott and I was saying, can you remember a couple of weeks ago, I said, sent you a WhatsApp, I said... Yeah, get getting back on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, so... Um, yeah, so obviously I played... I had twi- I actually had Twitter at the time because uh, it was just new. Um, it's quite an interesting story, actually, and I made my debut against Newcastle and I was the best thing since sliced bread. The next, the best centre. Oh, honestly, because again, and I echoing what and following up on what Wayne's saying. It, all these people who tweet and it's very, you know, like you say, you can get abusive. So through the in the, I always think that there's the proper fan, like what Wayne is, basically where you you support the manager, you support the team through thick and thin. That's a proper fan. They're the ones who are. I mean, it's not the only. They can have other fans, proper fans yep. who don't go to Old Trafford, but they're the ones who are there in the rain, no matter, every game, at Old Trafford, singing, supporting the team, you know, they were getting clapped off, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, at 5-0 against Liverpool on the telly, they're the proper fans, and I and then I almost separate that there's the social media, I wouldn't even call them fans, brigade, whatever you want to call them, so I, my personal experience was, I was, oh, you're amazing, blah, 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 and I was a young lad, and then after the Chelsea game, just abuse, oh, you should never play, and I'm, but, the same people, they're probably the same brigade. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And it just, but the reason I actually came off it was nothing to do with that, really, because again, it, it was just sort of getting going. And, um, you know, it was quite, I wouldn't say difficult to deal with because it was just new. You know, it was all Twitter and, and Facebook had been going a while, but Twitter was the new thing. And anyone can say anything. Yeah, you know, that that's the big thing. I, I could, I mean, I'm not watching it obviously because we're doing this, but I could be watching Wolves Everton now, make a Twitter account and just tweet any player and say anything. You know, it's just it's just bonkers that that can still happen. And also going on from what Wayne said about not reading, not reading the, the specifics. People see what they want to see. Yep, people hear what they want to hear, and people see what they want to see, and they just jump on it. And like I say, I call it a brigade where. If, if they're happy with Ollie, that they can see a certain one, might be 5% that they like, that's it. All they focus on, if it's 5% they don't like, 95% good, they'll abuse and hammer the 5%. Um, but anyway, going back to the, my, my, what the reason I left Twitter was it actually came from Sir Alex Ferguson actually made, I think it was any player under 23, um, delete the, the social media accounts, Facebook and Twitter were like the main two. There was no Instagram at that time. And um, I remember having a meeting and it was about like um, certain people getting pictures with, with players and, and certain younger players were like uh, sort of posting pictures about like uh, basically what happens now about the training ground. And, you know, he, he obviously had that much authority. And I remember having a meeting with the youth, all the youth team, all the reserves and a few of the younger members of the first team. And he just said, this, this was probably just before he actually probably would have retired. Um, so about six months after that, I played for United. And he just said, and I think it was anyone under 23, I might be wrong, I've got it, don't, we, you don't need, why do you need to? Basically what he was doing was saying, you know, using 19, 20, 21-year-old lads, you're just getting started in the game. Why are you posting pictures of, of the training ground? Or yeah. And I also think a bit of it, he was worried of, because then every, the whole world can see yeah, gym or the swimming pool or the dressing room or if anything might get leaked if there's anything to do with the team. I personally think when I think back now, that's what he was he was sort of getting at. And I remember deleting it, and everyone's like, then in the chat, oh, are you going to delete it? Should should we keep it? Should you change your name on it? But I remember I remember getting rid of it, and again, it was nothing really to do with with getting praised or abused. It was nothing to do with that. But I actually remember being so glad because. I mean, I don't know if you used to do it now. I used to you used to spend like twenty minutes of your life just scrolling, reading yep. nonsense most of the time. And I think, but the hell, yeah, I've just wasted half an hour there where I've just been sat on the sofa, and I'm actually still. I, I don't miss it. I never ever once thought, oh, I want to get Twitter back. Not once. Um, 
I mean, you know, people around you, you still get the, you don't have to have Twitter to get praised or, or abused, especially as a defender, you get abused more, uh, more times than praised. Because if you if you do all right, you, nothing's ever said, is it? But um, but I could I I used to be able to tell, uh, all well pretty much all throughout my career, not so much the last few years, but I could always tell my parents or friends, family would be at be at one of my matches, and let's just say I I done it, played well, you know, standard performance, a good seven out of ten, a couple of things you could have done better, but overall, had a good decent game. And you come into the lounge after the game, or you'd see your friends, your family, and you're like, oh, well done there. And you're, yeah, you're chatting away and chatting about the game. Like, oh, yeah, but there's something in the second half. I wish I'd have known. That's just normal. Every, I'd say 99% of, of players have that. And then maybe the next day, probably more so the family. When I'd speak to my family, I could tell just by how they'd sort of get it into the conversation, the social media reaction, because I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't go on it. But then after that, oh, I'd have a little look. You know, this is probably going back eight, nine years now. But I, I could just tell from what they would, how they spoke to me and something they would have said that I'm thinking, she's seen that. Someone would have tweeted that or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean, I, I personally think it affects, I mean, I'm sure your family's been affected, Wayne, and it, it affects it affects you, all people around you. It's just such a horrible, or it can be such a horrible, horrible place to be. I mean, it has its... Um, it has its pros, of course, of sort of like promoting things and getting the word out of shit of of, of good things. But at times, especially to do with football, because it's such a it's such a tribal atmosphere, isn't it? And it's so hostile, and people are so raw often when when they tweet it. But again, a lot of the time, people are just idiots. You know, like I said, I could create a fake Twitter account now, and I could say, Wayne Barton, you are a plonker. Do I? Know? And what you said about Ollie, you know. Have you been following my tweets? <laughs> no, like, can I just jump in on that on that point? Because Scott's he, he's so right. The difference with me, obviously, because I write, I have to kind of have that platform to promote the work and to engage with the people who read what I write. So it's a necessity for me. Yeah. Um, but you're right in what you're saying. You turn up to a football match and you can have anywhere between five and fifty thousand people shouting abuse at you and you know really it's not personal yeah and i think that that's something that i i got really good advice from when i was just starting out writing maybe like four or five books in and someone had said to me um about praise and abuse and basically saying don't take either to heart yeah. really because you've got to have that balance and maybe that's something that fergie was saying for you guys under the age of 22 23 you're not mature enough to know the difference you know, to be able to memory yeah. compartmentalize that. So yeah, I mean, you're right. I'm lucky that I know I can laugh it off a little bit. And, and Dave is one of my closest friends. With the, he'll just send me the abusive tweets. He'll forward me to make sure that I've seen them, which is fine because I know that they're not personal because yeah. they don't know me personally. Because like, so like, like what you were saying, Wayne, about Ollie, the people abusing Ollie, they haven't got a clue. They don't know anything about him. But the same people, they haven't got a clue or anything about. You all they see is black and white writing on a on a tweet, yeah. and they, again they only see what they want to see, and they'll only have a go at what they what's their prerogative. Well, here's a here's a prime example uh, that Jason has brought up. Uh, social media toxic people have been slagging off Sorales because of the Carrington last week. How crazy is that? Um, this thing blew up on Monday morning, uh, the day after the Liverpool game, and and it follows on what you just said, Scott. Is that people see what they want to see? Um, the media, the media, these these you know journalists that get paid to do this job, and we know you know eighty percent of the time they're you know throwing darts at a dartboard to try and get a story. Um, Ferguson was was scheduled to get a new suit fitted for that day weeks in advance. Coincidentally, it was a day after Liverpool, and all of a sudden Alex Ferguson was in Carrington to save Ollie's job. Um, so it, it it created such. You know, such a toxic environment on social media that Manchester United had to actually issue a statement about it and say that this had been planned and Ollie and Sir Alex never even seen each other. And that's the one thing that 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 I took it. You know, that that I looked at this and said, this is obviously bullshit because if these guys, if they had that story, if that was real, one of them would have got a picture somewhere. You know, and and made it even more of of a sense uh, of a storyline. But it wasn't, and I knew there was more to it. But it got so bad that that 
the club had to make a statement about it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you, you are right. They just someone says something on Twitter and it's like, oh well, that must be true, you know, because because I just read it. Now I'm gonna take that information and I'm gonna forward it as my own because I'm really smart like that, and I'm the first person to know it. And and it fits perfectly in with what you just said. They just they read things and they believe it. But I want to jump back to the other thing as well, is that that what you just said as well is that and what these you know morons don't get is that you know, you've been a professional footballer all your life. And and I don't want to take I don't want you to take this too lightly to what I'm gonna say next, is that it's not that you're you know, you're kind of I would say at this point in your career, you're kind of used to the abuse of away grounds you go, but people are gonna say shit. 80, 90% of the time, you're probably going to just brush it off and go, whatever. This this is what this is what being a professional footballer is all about. But your parents didn't buy into this. Your family members didn't buy into this. You know, your friends didn't, they, they didn't ask for any of this. And and you make a great point of saying, because you're not on social media, it doesn't mean you don't know about it. Because yeah. you go to dinner at your parents' house the next day and all of a sudden there's a somber mood and then someone brings up, so and you know. Yeah. That's what these morons aren't thinking about. It's not the effect that... That, that it has on you it's the effect it has on everyone else around you i mean as, as a parent myself if i was on social media and seen all this i'd spend my life hunting these people down you know that's the problem you know because a parent sees things completely different i mean you're a parent now scott yeah. you, i'm sure you see things oh. completely different you know yeah. you know you're tripping kids up in the in the playground because they looked at your daughter you know stuff like that you know pushing them over yeah. i guess yeah. i do the same thing um so and and for that, you know, Wayne and, and for Scott, you know, as a as a supporter of football, as a person on Twitter, you know, we can only apologize that you got to put up with this bullshit, you got to put up with this crap, it's sending someone death threats over over the fact that you you made a very valid point. What goes on in their head that makes that? And Scott, you know, my advice. Well, to you, well, do you know the funny thing is, if you bumped into that person in the street, oh, they wouldn't say a thing to you. Yeah, thing. They put their head that's, down and walk boy. Absolutely. You know? that, um, that's what's so, crazy. Unfortunately, that's the, that's the world we live in now. Is that is that social media has turned social skills into a cesspool of crap, and people think that they can talk to people like that. But you are right. I mean, we've seen situations over the past couple of years where we've seen. I think there was a former boxer in the UK that hunted a guy down and knocked on his door. Yeah. You know, and he yeah, was like, that, yeah. "Hey, tough guy." You know, and your man nearly, you know, dropped three stone out of his pants in an instant. He's like, "Oh my god, this guy's gonna murder me now." Um, so Scott. You know, my advice, stay the hell off it. You know, it's it's not worth it. Some people, you know, I mean, Wayne used it. He, and he'll admit, you know, it, it is a good tool to use, especially if you're in if you're in that world that Wayne's in, that he wants to promote his book and he wants to get out there. And he wants to get opinions from people because a lot of the times when Wayne's writing a book, he, he turns to social media, he asks people, and he gets some great feedback. This is just ridiculous that three years after Jose Mourinho was sacked, we have people out there that are issuing death threats because they never kept Mourinho. These are people like you said, Scott, that have that, you know, and I know you're trying to stay away from this type of, you know, uh, topic on that is that let's be honest. These are people that have probably never stepped foot in England, let alone Old Trafford. These are people from all over the world and I'm not having a go with them. They support Manchester United. They're fans of Manchester United. I get that, but it's very, very different. They don't understand how much of a club Manchester United was, how much of a mess it was under Mourinho. Ole has come in and turned it around, but to abuse somebody and give death threats just because, and I'll be honest with you, Wayne's tweet wasn't, it was just, it was kind of like a down the middle tweet. And people just read it the way they want to read it. So Scott, my you know my two cents is stay the hell off it, you know. And and it just it 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 has so much of a negative effect. I don't understand personally myself why footballers go on there to get the abuse. And I know a lot of them have interns and stuff like that 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 do it. But at the end of the day, they kind of get to see it. You said earlier on they're all human beings. They are, you know, like Harry Kane. He, he's human. It's going to have an effect on him with, with what he was told. Same as social media. Why would you want to go on there and get abused all day long? Because one week you're a hero and the next week you're a zero. That's just the way it is. Um, football fans are the worst in the world when it comes to being fickle. We know that. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I want to just move on. And, and before we before we finish now, um, actually, Dan has a question here. I'll put it up on screen here. Scott, do agents not push their players to be on social media to help build their brand profile, no matter their age? I know it's not easy, though. I feel for these young men coming into the game. It's a, that's a very, very good question. Now, I know you spoke earlier on about Fergie. You know, <laughs> when Fergie tells you you're not going to be on social media, you don't. I mean, yeah. 
I equate that to my own kids. I tell them not to do something, but I know they go into the room and go, well, he's not around now. I'll do it now. Yeah. Um, that's a very good question. You know, uh, do do agents, you know, do they advise people that, hey, you want to get your profile out there? And this is what I mean earlier on about, I know some people use it because of certain situations within their within either their career or whatever. Um, let me just pop that back up again so we can see the question again. Um, do they, you know, do they, do they put players on social media to build a brand profile no matter of their age? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's certainly in the last, I would say, five, five, six years has been a huge thing that I personally have seen because, again, you know, when I was 17, 18, I mean, I think Twitter probably came in when I was 20, 21, possibly. Um, God, I feel old. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that, but that's a huge surge in, in sort of Instagram is big now, isn't it? And, and, um, Twitter's yeah. obviously growing as well, and th- th- it's definitely, I think, a huge surge. And players, these all they want to do is some players lose a game at all levels, and they're putting up their clips on like the Twitter and the Instagram. And I'm thinking, you've just lost. Like, well, what are you doing? But it's again, it's all about perceptions. It's such a huge thing nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. Perceptions actually probably more important to some people than actually what goes on on the, over the white line, really. So they use all that to. Um, you know, like big agency companies, they, they promote, they, they put the players in a certain light that makes them possibly look better than what they are or, or focuses more on the strengths or gets the clips, um, shows the sponsorship deals. They have to, people have to constantly tweet and, and tag things and Instagram tag things. And, you know, that's a bit that's changed. That I, I think it's a bit, I don't really like it all, to be honest. Like I said, I, I see lads now 18 who are, who are putting up clips from, from, the youth team I'm thinking I mean like, part of me thinks I'm being a bit of a granddad because times have changed and, and stuff like that but I just can't it just doesn't just doesn't feel right that you know I just think what would I have been told by my youth team or reserve manager or yeah. someone like Alex Ferguson you're 18 years of age you're playing only in the youth team and, and you're posting clips on your Twitter or your Instagram like you're a, a superstar like you've done nothing in the game you've, you haven't even played a game one game and yet you, you, you're acting like on your social media that you, you're this big hitter and you, you're thanking people for sending your clothes. And it's just <laughs> it's just the way the world's gone. Um, like I say, may, maybe maybe I have to adapt slightly and sort of accept it, but it's just, it just doesn't feel right with me. But to, to answer the question, I think, yeah, I think that'll play, that's a huge part. Um, I've seen a huge surge in that in recent years with young players, like I say, tagging um thanks for the boots off adidas and i mean lads have always had boots and and got free stuff but you just say thanks very much you don't have to put it out there but it's all to do with like i say getting following and raising profiles of different stuff and but yeah that's definitely a a, a huge thing I've, i've witnessed in the last few years especially um I want to finish up by by having you know getting some updates from you you know you 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 guys and Markham, you've had you've had a tough time of late. Um, yeah, really tough. The defeat at the weekend. Um, how's things going? I mean, you guys gonna? I mean, you guys obviously have the team to turn around. You got one of the best strikers, I think, outside the Premier League at the moment. Um, so if anyone can, you know, help turn it around, it's you know, you you have everything going. You have everything going in your favor in that regard. Uh, what's gone? You know, you, you had a very good start in the season. You were banging in the goals yourself. Um, Wayne was getting concerned that he'd have to buy a cookbook. Um, I still think he does. Um, so, um, yeah, quick update. I mean, what's... Yeah, no, we're going through a really, uh, really tough spell. Um, I think, don't forget, this is Morecambe's first time in this division. Yeah. Uh, so it's probably one of one of the, the, the three smallest clubs in the league, really. Um, so this was always going to come at some point. Um, I think we one thing is we haven't been able to... F- put a consistent team out we've had and listen I'm not making excuses here listen we, results haven't been good enough performances haven't been good enough so this isn't an excuse I'm just trying to give some reasons no, it, it, it as well yeah, you know this happens at all levels just trying to think of reasons you know why I always think whenever I've been successful as, as a team we've had a pretty settled team we haven't really had to change the shape and yeah. probably down to injuries has been a big part for us this, so far this season we we very rarely have been able to field the same 11. Um, for example, I got really ill. I had to miss a couple of games last week. We've had people keep getting little niggly injuries. People have been suspended. Um, a couple of people have 
one of the persons had COVID and it's just been, you know, it's been, been tough really. But like you say, you know, we're not all, of course, results have been bad, but it's important for us that we don't think all of a sudden we're a bad team because yeah. three weeks ago we were, I think we'd lost one in six. So yep. we, we weren't an amazing team then and we're not an awful team now. Uh, you know, and like I say, to put a perspective on it, this is the first time the club's been at this level. Um, so we've got a really big game tomorrow night against Cambridge. I think it's, you know, that they'll be dead in around us as well. So yeah. hopefully we can we can uh, win that game and um, and start looking looking up the table again. Well, I mean, the best the best I look to you, you know, we 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 definitely keep an eye on your team. Now we certainly do. We look out for your results. Um, you're you're twenty percent uh, on the road yeah. to getting getting Wayne to bake you a cake. While he's on today, is there any particular flavors you want him to uh, to avoid? Because I'm I'm convinced you're going to get fired by the uh, by the end of the season. No, no, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, not a fan of chocolate cake, Wayne. So okay. stay away from the chocolate. Yeah, maybe a nice sponge cake. I'm not a fan so, of baking cake. So, <laughs> so here's the thing: when it gets delivered and it's black, that's actually not the flavour, and um, yeah. that's just Wayne's cooking Fair skills. Yeah, <laughs> burnt, burnt to nothing when you put the knife in it, and it just completely deflate. Um, <laughs> But Scott, you know, uh, happy birthday to your daughter. Um, you. uh, I wish you every success this week as well and, and for the season. I appreciate you coming on. Um, Wayne, uh, as always, thank you for being there in the background. I know there's, you know, when myself and Scott are on, you're the guy on, on, on Twitter trying to make sense of what we're talking about. Um, well, from my side, anyway, trying to make sense of what I'm talking about. But hope you guys are feeling a lot better over the next couple of days. And, uh, yes, yeah, Scott, look forward to, uh, to a win uh, tomorrow night for both Manchester United and for... Yeah, Markham and, and get another goal, you know, because I really, I really need to, I really need to see him bake a cake. I really do, you know. Um, it'd have to be a video from start to finish, wouldn't it? If, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, the camera up in the, in the kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 the the fire brigade on standby. <laughs> Last thing before we leave, Wayne, you and I have discussed this in the past, and me and Scott have touched on it. And when you wrote Fergie's fledglings, you want to tell him the story about about contacting him on social media. Oh yeah, the, this would have been right after he um, abandoned his social media because someone. The idea was that Scott would be the last player in the book. He would be because it started from day one with Tony Gill, and we had players from every single day of Fergie's reign. Not like twelve hundred players, but we had um, thirty players, twenty players covering every day, and. Um, Scott was going to be the last, he was the first choice to be the last player. And I know I've told you this already, Scott. Um, so contact, well, the idea was to contact you, but it turned out to be the fake Scott Wooten on, <laughs> obviously, once you've been on and left your account, someone decided to set up an account. Thankfully, they never engaged and, and never sort of fraudulently sort of said, yeah, I'll, I'll take part in it. Um, but Ben Amos stepped in in your place. But if I ever do a, a second edition, then I, I'm, I'm going to chain you down and make sure I get that interview. Yeah, no but, problem. Uh, yeah, it was it was great. Um, well, but isn't it, don't, don't they say you've you've made it as a celebrity when you've got two things: a stalker and a parody account on Twitter? you just need the stalker now, mate. So you, know, <laughs> you got the parody account. So. Um, good stuff. And, and just before we end, uh, Jason said, good luck in the FA Cup first round, Scott. Hopefully you can reach the third round and draw against Manchester United. How how fantastic would that be um, oh, to mark? Yeah. Are you, are you going to bring two pockets, one for Cavani, one for Ronaldo? <laughs> <laughs> not, too, uh, not too sure about that, Dave, but that would be, um, <laughs> You'll need four that would be incredible. Four pockets, one for the, two for those guys. And then for the shirts, you'll be trying yeah. to blag off him, Dave. And, and then the shirt off Scott's back. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it has to come with some benefits here. So, um, yeah, that that would be that would be fantastic. Obviously, you know, if you if, if you got through, and I mean, I, I think all former players or former clubs like to go back, you know, and, and play against a group. But that would be absolutely fantastic. That would. Um, but yeah, best of luck in the FA Cup. I know it's you know it's a very very. Uh, it's my favourite competition, always has been since the 80s. It really has. You know, my first Manchester United game that I saw was Manchester United against Brighton in the FA Cup final. That just lit up my world, absolutely lit up my world. And, and every year when we play in the FA Cup 
and we go out of it, you know, a little piece of me dies because I just I love that I love that trophy. I just think everything it stands for, and I think it's starting to come back again. You know, uh, over previous years, I think it has. I think it's starting to come back. Nothing better than a joint killing, as long as it's not your club, though. You know, so if you do make it to the third round. You know, we're going to have to have a conversation. So, and you do get Manchester United in that third round. We're going to have to have a conversation. So, again, thanks everyone for joining us. Thanks for everyone for the questions. If you haven't subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. Um, if you if you're not following Wayne on Twitter, please follow him, but don't abuse him. You can't follow Scott because Fergie told him he wasn't allowed to have his own Twitter account. Um, so, uh, he's one of the lucky ones. Trust me. Um, so yeah, if you haven't subscribed, as I said, subscribe there. Talkingthedevils.co.uk is 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 our website. There's a lot of great articles on there. There's, you know, after every game, Wayne puts up a report there on, on his opinion on how the game went. It's always really very good and very in. Sometimes it, it takes you to read that to really understand what just happened in that game, especially you know when you when when you are the real lows of Liverpool and the real highs against Tottenham. You know, but as Fergie said, it's only sports. So anyway, thanks everyone for joining in. I appreciate it. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.